0: What is the answer to the problems that our world is facing? The prolonged war in Ukraine, economic anxiety, family breakdown, confusion over gender and identity, inept and out-of-touch politicians. Some would say that the answer uh, must be a change in government. Others would say that the answer is more education. Still others would say that the big thing we need is more funding and if more services are are funded uh, and better funded, well that will solve our problems. But actually what our world needs today is the same as what the the people who first heard the words in front of us tonight needed and that is uh, the birth of a baby and all that would flow from that. It's not the answer that we would expect. A baby, what is a baby going to be able to do to to end wars uh, as we read about here in verse 5? But that's what God's people in Isaiah's day needed and that's what we need in our day too. What we need is the birth of a baby Uh, and not just any baby but this particular uh, baby prophesied here Uh, And we need him, who he is and what he would grow up to do. Those in Isaiah's day, they looked forward to the birth of this baby. Uh, They didn't know it then, but seven long centuries would pass before he was born. In our day, we look back to the birth of this baby uh, because that changed everything. We've become familiar over the last few years with royal birth announcements. I maybe remember the, the TV pictures of a framed and printed notice put on a, on a golden easel outside Buckingham Palace announcing the births of Prince George, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis. Those royal babies arrived into the world with great fanfare, but their births didn't really change anything. Not in the way royal births have done in the past. In 1688 it was the birth of a son to, to the recently converted Catholic King James II that led to him being removed from the throne uh, and William of Orange invited to become king instead. People in the nation were alarmed that the king had converted to Catholicism But he had no no son and they thought, well, it's okay, it'll just be for a few years. But then a son is born uh, or or, or smuggled in in a bedpan as as the rumour was and the nation panics. Uh, That royal birth changed things for this nation. Uh, But here is a royal birth that will change things for the entire world. Because the coming one described in this chapter will be able to, to, to change not just our circumstances but our hearts. And over the next five services, God willing, we're going to slowly work through this verse and the following one as we consider the royal birth that changed everything. Uh, we've uh, three headings tonight uh, as we, we look uh, first at the background to this royal birth announcement and then the first of the four titles given to this royal baby uh, uh, firstly tonight we see our need for God's wonderful counsel the lord jesus is described here as a, a wonderful counselor uh, uh, firstly we see our need of god's wonderful counsel In Isaiah's day the people were in a very similar situation to our own. They had an ungodly king on the throne whose short-sighted policies were going to make things worse rather than better. Uh, Just as we have uh, politicians in our own day running the country uh, whose whose short-sighted policies uh, will just make things worse. Uh, King Ahaz was facing the threat of invading armies. He he, he stood uh, to lose his kingdom, his throne, and probably his life. But rather than looking to God, he depended on his own resources. Uh, uh, Chapter 7 tells us that he refused to trust in the Lord. Uh, so boys and girls here is a king and there are armies of bad men uh, marching towards him but rather uh, than, than listen to God he just listens to, to his own heart then in chapter 8 we have a vivid description of the punishment that God is going to send on the nation the chapter uh, it ends with those words we read earlier at the end of verse 22 thick darkness the people had loved darkness And so that's what they have been given. Or that's what they would be given. And yet suddenly as chapter 9 begins the whole tone changes. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish declares verse 1. Or verse 2 the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. In verse 3 joy is increased. In verse 4, the rod of the oppressor is broken, just as happened to the Midianite army in Gideon's day. Uh, that's what, what the reference to the day of Midian means, back to the days of the judges. In, in verse 5, the boots and uniforms of the soldiers will be burned in fire. Why? Because they won't need them anymore. And what a picture that is after a year in which the conflict in Ukraine began in February And it has gone on and on and on. But one day all those weapons will be ready for the bonfire. And what a day that will be. So what's going to change things? What's going to bring all this about? Well the very surprising answer in verse 6 is the birth of a baby. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. What's going to bring about an end to all wars? Isn't the nations of the earth getting together uh, around the big table and coming up with some treaty based on human wisdom? Uh, what's going to end all wars isn't going to be the result of negotiations by the rich and powerful. Uh, but incredibly that great end which one day will come that end of wars will be brought about through the birth of a baby boy a child who would be born 700 years after Isaiah's time and yet his coming was so certain that Isaiah can talk as if it has already happened because he he sees it as it has happened the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light Those words are, of course, doubly familiar to us as they're quoted in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew writes of the Lord Jesus, And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then Matthew tells us that from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It tells us, doesn't it, that before human beings can have peace with each other, we must first have peace with God. Jesus doesn't come saying, let's all sit around the table and get over our differences. Rather, he comes and says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many people over the next few weeks who who wouldn't normally hear the Bible read will hear those words, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And yet, how many of them will, will also hear the words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand but they go together in Matthew's gospel Uh, they should go together in our proclamation the birth of this baby means that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and so our great need is to repent so this baby that would be born is God's answer to human suffering and of course unlike nativity plays the story doesn't end with the Lord Jesus still as a baby but rather the only way he could call people to repent is because he would grow up and when he was a few years younger than I am now he would go to the cross in place of his people and tonight we want to think particularly of the Lord Jesus as a wonderful counsellor as he's described here in verse 6 That is such an appropriate description for him, both in Isaiah's day and in ours. In Isaiah's day, God's people had a king who refused to listen to God's counsel. God's king refusing to listen to God's counsel. Even though King Ahaz literally had a prophet from God right there, even though he had God's word, And are our rulers any different today? They refuse to listen to God's counsel, even though they have God's word. Even though the evidence is all around us for the fact that turning from God's word brings disaster. Still, they they plunge headlong, further and further from the truth. And the people are no different as gospel preaching churches close a vacuum is left behind Uh, people turn to spiritualism last month we were in Carlisle and there was a market stall with a sign which said witches welcome God's word is not welcome but witches, spiritists, mediums are welcome and it was the same in Isaiah's day listen to God, no But listen to mediums, yes, we'll do that. If you look just a few verses back, we read it earlier, verse 19. And when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Should not a people inquire of their God? And yet when the shows are in town... There's that little caravan where people can go and see a fortune teller. Uh, People will inquire of fortune tellers. They will inquire of their stars, but they will not inquire of the God who made them. Truly, we are a people in need of God's wonderful counsel. And amazingly, that is exactly what we've been given in Jesus Christ. So firstly, tonight we see our need for God's wonderful counsel, but then secondly, we see Jesus Christ is the wonderful counsellor. Jesus Christ is the wonderful counsellor. In the Bible, the word wonderful is only used to describe things that God does. We tend to use the word a lot more widely today. Uh, So we're coming up to the season that for many is the most wonderful time of the year. Or or someone tells us that they've got the the new job that they were hoping to get. And we say, well, that's wonderful news. Uh, And I'm not saying that we should stop using the word wonderful in that sense. It's just the way it's it's used in our language. But, But we do need to be aware that the Bible uses the word wonderful differently. There's a story in the Bible of a miraculous birth where an angel appears to a woman and tells her that she's going to give birth to a son and that son will save his people. Any guesses as to who I'm talking about? Well, no, it's not Mary and the Lord Jesus. uh, But it's a woman of much faith Uh, and yet we don't even know her name, other than that she's Manoah's wife, and her son will be called Samson. In fact, this is is a bit bit of an aside, uh, but some of you will remember Jude Cahoon. Jude spent a a month here on placement from the Irish Baptist College uh, a number of years ago. Uh, Jude is now a pastor, he's preaching a series this month entitled Miraculous Births. Uh, And the miraculous births that he's preaching on are are Samson, Samuel, John, Jesus. And then the final miraculous birth is the word you with a question mark after it. Samson, Samuel, John, Jesus, you. Because a miraculous birth or, or really a rebirth is on offer to each one of us. Our passage last Lord's Day morning talked about this need to be born again. And as I said last week as we were talking about a Bible study during the week, uh, people can make it sound as if it's only the really enthusiastic Christians who, 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 who are born again, uh, that it's possible to be a Christian without being born again. But as we saw it last week, Jesus taught it, Peter taught it, you must be born again. Uh, And it struck me during the week that that being born again is even mentioned in in such a familiar Christmas carol as Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, where one of the final lines says that Jesus was born to give us second birth. Second birth, being born a second time, uh, the new birth. So Jesus' miraculous birth was in order that we might experience the new birth but to go back to, to the miraculous birth of Samson, uh, miraculous because his mother was barren, uh, the angel who appears to his mother isn't Gabriel. Rather, he's the angel of the Lord. Uh, remember, the, the reason we're, lo- we're, we're looking at the story of Samson is, is to see uh, uh, the significance of this word wonderful. Uh, so the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah and his wife. Uh, And that passage in Judges chapter 13 is actually one of the places that makes it really, really clear that when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord, uh, rather than just an angel of the Lord, when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord, it's talking about the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, At the end of the story, Manoah says to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. Uh, and he's right that they had seen God because they had seen the angel of the Lord. And his wife agrees, but she is eminently sensible. And she says, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering from our hands. And while the angel is still with them, Manoah had asked the angel what his name was. And do you remember what the angel of the Lord replies? Why do you ask my name, saying it is Wonderful. And it's the same word used here in verse 6 for wonderful counsellor. That word wonderful, it's only used in the Bible for things that God does. We began uh, this evening with Psalm 89. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. Or Exodus 15 uh, We read who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Or Psalm 119, verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. So we don't even need to go on to the next part of the description, which is mighty God. To know that this child who would be born is no mere man, because he's described as wonderful, a word used in the Bible only to describe God. And the fact that this child will be no mere man is already hinted out earlier in the verse. A child is born to human parents, and a son is given given from God himself. And he is born for us, given for us, to give us second birth. So have you experienced that? Have you been born again? Because that's why God sent his son into the world. It's not enough simply for us to be associated with a church for our whole lives. We must be born again. So, Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. In other words, he's a, a, a divine counselor. Uh, the counsel he speaks comes from God because he is God. So, secondly, Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. But then, thirdly and finally tonight, we see the privilege of knowing his wonderful counsel the absolute privilege of knowing his wonderful counsel. What are we to understand by the word counsellor? We, we've looked at the word wonderful, but what about counsellor? In fact, uh, before we even get to that, should we take this as one description of our Lord or two? In other words, is Jesus described as wonderful, comma counsellor, comma mighty God and so on? Or, or are the words wonderful, counsellor meant to go together as they are in our Bibles? Uh, some of your bibles will separate out the two words with a comma in between that's the version that, that Handel used in 1742 when he wrote his famous composition Handel's Messiah and uh, I, I think I even read it that way with a pause in between because I've been, been listening to Handel's Messiah and uh, really it, it, it seems pretty hard to be sure which way we're meant to read it even those who are Hebrew experts and know the the intricacies of Hebrew accents it, it, it's hard to know Both versions can be found in translations going back thousands of years and ultimately it doesn't make much difference. But it is interesting that when the word wonderful occurs in the rest of Isaiah, the word counsel occurs close by, if not next to it. So here we have wonderful, counselor, the two words side by side. Then in Isaiah 25 verse 1, Isaiah says of God, You have done wonderful things, or literally things which are wonderful, of counsel. So again, the two words side by side. Uh, we have it again in Isaiah twenty-eight, twenty-nine, where we're told that the Lord of hosts is wonderful in counsel. And then there's a final use of the word wonderful in Isaiah 29 when God says, Isaiah twenty-nine fourteen, I will do wonderful things for this people, wonder upon wonder. And then in the next verse, we have it contrasted with the counsel of the people, those who reject his wonderful counsel. So even if if... If we'd started with those other references, when we get to the word wonderful, we expect it to be followed by the word counsellor. And the rest of Isaiah indeed makes it clear that God himself is this wonderful counsellor. And yet here's a baby who's going to be born and his name will be called Wonderful Counsellor. How can that be? The only explanation is that the baby to be born will be God himself. So there's lots of significance in the fact that those words wonderful and counsellor could be applied to the Lord Jesus. But what does it mean to call him a counsellor? Well for a start it means that he isn't reliant on the counsel of others. Uh, Boys and girls when we talk about counsel... uh, it's a word for advice if you're asking someone what is a good idea they might give you your counsel and uh, and kings have counselors around them uh, because kings need to ask questions about about what would be good to do and they've counselors who, who, who will who will give them suggestions but the Lord Jesus is not reliant on the counsel of others he never has to ask anyone else for advice Uh, For any of us not to ever ask for advice, that would be a sign of pride, uh, of of stupidity. But but for the Lord Jesus, never to ask for advice is a sign uh, that He is God. Uh, I heard someone say recently that when Donald Trump was president, he had a thousand advisors. I don't know if they were all in the White House, but a thousand advisors. And I'm sure that whatever the the number is, it doesn't change too much from one president to the next. In fact, in our world, it seems that the more powerful and important someone is, the more advisors that they need to have. Because no one man or woman can possibly stay on top of everything that they need to know about health, military, finance, foreign relations and so on. But rather, they'll have advisors, and those advisors will have whole departments working under them. But not so with God and with our divine Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 11, the Apostle Paul is overwhelmed with awe as he says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? You know, there are people in our world today and they can say, well, I was Joe Biden's counsellor. I was uh, Rishi Sunak's counsellor. But there is no one in our world, there is no one in all creation, there is no angel in heaven who can say, I was the Lord's counsellor. The great men of the earth, they they multiply counsellors and there is no shame in doing that because they are but men. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus, we can take up the rest of Isaiah 40 and we can say, what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And amazingly, this wonderful counsellor is given for us. Uh, And we can sing from Psalm 16 as we will do at the end today. I bless the Lord because he gives me counsel which is right. In the first half of this book of Isaiah, the folly of human wisdom is one of the the big themes. In chapter 125, the Lord declares that he will give the people new counsellors so that they might be called the city of righteousness. It implies that their current counsellors weren't up to much. In in chapter 3, verse 3, the counsellors are listed alongside magicians and experts in charms as people who God is going to take away. Uh, One of the warnings God gives Isaiah in the book is is to tell the people not to go back to Egypt and seek hope there. And in chapter 19, we're told that the wisest counsellors of Pharaoh give him stupid counsel. And just like them, we all have voices around us calling us to listen to them. And so one of the big questions we will face on any given day is who are we listening to? Are we sitting in the seat of scoffers? On Thursday... 2.4 2.4 million people in the UK sat down to watch the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's new Netflix series Harry and Meghan How much wonderful counsel will those viewers have gained from the experience I wonder I'm not just to pick them, the, the same number of people 2.4 million watched Eat Sanders on the BBC the same day 3.5 million watched Coronation Street on ITV I didn't watch them, but, but I suspect that, that none of them offered anything other than the world's wisdom. But how amazing it is that we don't have to go to those sorts of things to show us how to live. The unbelievers around us, they don't have this wonderful counsellor. They have their unbelieving friends, they have the media, they have human wisdom. They're God's cannot speak or at least they cannot speak with the voice of truth and certainty but we have a wonderful counsellor what a privilege that is so are you listening to him because it's not enough to, to simply try and shut out the world's wisdom we need to actively listen to God's wisdom how can you do that well we're just a few weeks away from a new year do you have a, a Bible reading plan for 2023? Whether that's reading through the, the whole Bible in a year or, or not. Uh, do you have some sort of plan uh, that you will be reading God's word every day? Now is the time to start thinking about it. We have a wonderful counsellor but if our Bible stays shut we'll be shutting out his voice. And then when you come to church... Are you listening out for the voice of the wonderful counsellor? Or are you unable to hear anything more than the voice of the preacher? Whether to praise or to criticise. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And will you make sure that you have other Christians in your life that you can talk to? So that when you do need to go to someone for counsel, as we all need to do on occasion... Will you go and speak to another believer who knows a wonderful counsellor and shows by their life that they are walking with him and listening to him? Or will you make big life decisions without any input from others or listening even to the voice of unbelievers? Without counsel, plans fail, the book of Proverbs tells us, but with many advisers, they succeed. I think one of the most discouraging experiences you can have as a Christian is to see other Christians making unwise decisions, decisions which will have big consequences for their lives. And yet at no stage do they ask counsel of others. Perhaps they even try and block those who would attempt to speak into their lives. We have a wonderful counsellor who speaks to us in his word preached in his word read, and by the voice of other Christians. Will we listen to him? Isaiah wrote in a context where there was a king on the throne who didn't listen to God. It's been said that King Ahaz was able and clever but not wise. And we have many able and clever people in our world but they aren't wise, so many of them, because they try and block out the wisdom and counsel of the Lord Jesus. But praise God that although tonight we may not have their ability, uh, we may not have their cleverness, we have a wonderful counsellor. And that tonight God would say to us about this royal baby who was born into this world. This is my beloved son. Listen To him. Amen. Well let's praise our wonderful counsellor now in the words of Psalm 16. Psalm 16 the first six verses on page 22. Uh, Noticing particularly uh, verse 6. I bless the Lord because he gives me counsel which is right. My heart within me he directs and teaches in the night. But also noticing the first two lines of verse 2. The saints on earth delight me, I the excellent hold high. Sometimes the wise counsel of the Lord comes through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we listen to that wise counsel? and Do we give that wise counsel? I have a book at home. It's the letters of John Newton written to another minister, a younger minister, and the title of the book is "Wise Counsel," and it is an apt description. Uh, may we who have a wonderful counselor, may we, uh, may we receive wise counsel, and may we also give it. Uh, and we see also in verse two just the, the how important it is to have fellowship. I was reading Pilgrim's Progress this afternoon and there's a bit where Pilgrim says uh, that in the face of the danger of Christians falling asleep he says saints fellowship if managed well keeps them awake and that in spite of hell Uh, and his friend Hopeful confesses to Christian Hopeful says if I had been here alone I had by sleeping run the danger of death one of FIFA's advertising lines at the World Cup is dance to our beat but praise God that we don't have to dance to the world's beat. Uh, and one of the things that helps ensure that we don't is Christian fellowship and Christian counsel. So Psalm 16 at the tune of St Andrew 137. will stand and sing praise.